So this is our last message, our last Sunday for 2023. We're going to start a brand new year. And so I was trying to, to come up with something. I kind of had a blank slate for today about what we could work on. Nothing was pre-planned. And, and then something just popped up and it kind of fits along with everything we've been talking about. I think it's kind of a, a good wrap up for this year and also a segue into the new year. And one thing I try to do is I try to study people and I like to know what kind of questions they have when it comes to God, what kind of confusion there is, and what kind of falsehood so we can able to we can properly teach and to combat these things and also for us to have a clear picture of what God wants for us, who God is, and what our relationship with him should look like. And it goes far beyond just a teacher and student situation because we all are teachers in a way. We all are students in a way. We are all constantly learning more, and we're constantly sharing that with others. And uh, over the past year, one thing that we've harped on quite a bit, and we're going to continue to do so because it's so important. And uh, if you ever think things become redundant, if we seem like we're talking about a subject matter, you know, multiple times, it's because it's important. It's the building blocks to how we're supposed to move up and build up and, and do something more and learn more. And we see that God gives us an example because in the, in the Old Testament, we see the same example multiple times. And Jesus, in his teaching, he would give us the same example multiple times. And when I look at that and see that, I see that they're trying to drive points home and trying to put some importance on things, really open our eyes and so we can see it. So there's nothing wrong with exploring stuff multiple times. We need to be able to, to know it, to master it, to be able to teach it. And it's more than just memorization is more than just hearing it. We need to be able to recognize it. It needs to be part of us. You know, God art, he etched the words on our hearts, but we need to be able to know how to read them. We need to be able to look in the mirror and be able to see it. It needs to be able to come out of us. It's a lifestyle. You know, when we have, uh, you go on, on a diet and you, you, do, you stick to a, a meal plan and you lose a little bit of weight, if you go back to eating the way you were before, you're going to gain the weight right back. You have to make permanent lifestyle changes. And that's what we're talking about when we are talking about the Word of God. It, uh, it's challenging sometimes. I tend to can clump interactions with people in kind of one or two ways from a pastoral point of view. And so when you're trying to 
talk about church. You know, it's always something we're trying to do. We're trying to recruit. We're trying to build our congregation. We're trying to get people and the Lord in the same room so we can start seeing some changes happen. And so there's two different ways that kind of clumps up too. And that one is, is that you go out and you seek them. And I can tell you from a pastoral point of view, it kind of all turns out the same way. They're, they're, they'll listen to you. They'll hear what you got to say and you'll get some nods and some uh-huhs and you'll get some kind of a, a hope of promise that they might follow through with it. Sometimes it happens. Most of the time it doesn't. And then on the other side is, is when they seek you. You know, sometimes, uh, uh, and I shouldn't be this way, but sometimes it's just human nature. And I'm always honest with you. You know, I let you know that I'm just like the rest of you, probably more so. And that sometimes when the phone rings and I see that that number comes up that represents the church, there's a little bit of, of hesitation for you. You pick up that button because through a, a, a pattern you know that it's going to have certain results. And they're looking for one of two things. They're looking for what they can get. And, you know, that's hard because you can't give in to every whim. There's just not possibility to do that. There's just not enough finances to go around. There's not enough resources to go around. And unfortunately, that doesn't build our goal of building a congregation because they get this one-time need met and you don't see them again. And then it's the, the interview process. They're looking for a church. Maybe they're, they're new to the area. Maybe they're... You know, just shopping around. Maybe it's just you've been thinking about going to church. It's been the first time. Maybe they just dropped by, drove by and looked at the building, seen it all would look nice and wanted to find out more about it. Well, this is always exciting because we have that prospect of getting someone new. But we also know that there's going to be certain expectations. And one thing I learned very early on that I cannot meet everyone's expectations and I cannot customize everything to fit everyone. And there'll be a series of, of questions. They want to know about the amenities. They want to know about the events that you sometimes do. Sometimes they want to know about your, your teaching style. And it goes somewhere from simple to, to complex. I remember one time I got a, almost like a booklet, a questionnaire, like a, a test. You know, and I'll, I'll happily answer any question and I'll honor any quest for any kind of information and, and I will. We've got nothing nothing to hide here and here but sadly most of the time the 
expectations far exceed the possibility of what is available. And they're looking for something that's beyond what we should be looking for. And a lot of it is built up because they want to mold the church experience around their personal needs. And also it's the information that we've received over the years. You know, we have truths and we have opinions. And, of course, we've talked about many times that how now everybody has a platform to which they can spread their ideas. Which, in some ways, that's, that's great. But in some ways, it's really bad. Because depending on what their ideology is. Now, week after week... I stand up here and we talk about different subjects and I'd make a good faith effort to get into the word of God and try to bring out what God is telling us to the best of my ability. And I challenge you, if you see something that doesn't sound right, let me know and we will talk about it. I'm human. Sometimes I can make mistakes. Sometimes... One interpretation may not be the same as someone else's. And I can tell you through personal experience, I am not locked in. I've had to go back and I've had to correct myself over time because as God opens up more, as my knowledge base widens, things become clearer and you have a better understanding. And then you start to understand maybe I didn't get it quite right the first time. But there's nothing wrong with being able to back up and say, hey, well, this is the way I used to think it is, but this is the way it is now. We're not trying to feed a a pride. We're not trying to come off as being some great scholar. What we're trying to do is, is learn God's truth. That is what matters. God's truth. And we have a responsibility if we are going to be spewing any kind of information, it needs to be God's truth, not an opinion. And sometimes we can have the lines blurred because we've heard something so much or we've built something up in our minds so much that we believe it to be fact. You know, they'll take one of the little antidotes that they throw out on social media. We see it on bumper stickers or keychains, and we believe it came from the Word of God, and yet it's nowhere is in there. And it's like, well, where did that come from? Well, it's in the Word of God. It's in the Bible. No, it's not. Just somewhere along the way, we've been conditioned to believe it is there. It happens through the curse of being human, and it also happens through the lies of Satan. You know, just a a little bit of misdirection here and misdirection there, and pretty soon we are completely off course. What got me on this subject matter today was, is that I seen a, a video 
and it was one gentleman talking to another gentleman in an interview type situation. It was just a, a short little clip. And he was making the statement to the other one about that some of the problems with the church. They said that the pastor doesn't need to be paid. That if it's a, a duty, a calling, that they should do that and it shouldn't be a business. That so many of them has made it into a business and they ask for donations and collections to solve all their problems and then they tell you to pray for yours. Well, anytime I see anything, I like to go down to the comment section. I like to see how other people is feeling about these things. The, because me, I had two feelings when I heard that. Number one was I understood where the guy was coming from. Because if we backed up to 20 some odd years ago when I was young in my late teens this resonated with me because I can remember in my early church days sitting there and thinking wow that guy's got it figured out he gets up there and he talks for what 20-30 minutes a couple times a week and uh, it just happened, I guess what triggered the whole thing was, that they was, as a, a church, was talking about pay incentives and, and they was going to give them some other kind of benefits and everything. And it just, to me, seemed amazing that you got so much for so little. Now, fast forward to where I'm standing at today and everything that's happened in between. So back then, I was brand new to the whole process, to the whole church thing, the whole God thing, and didn't have any real, real knowledge. Well, since then, I have held multiple, multiple positions in the church and seen everything behind the scenes. And when you do that, it is completely eye-opening that you see there is so, so much more that's involved that you had no idea because you only see a, a small portion of it. And we do this with all aspects of life because unless you're involved with it, you don't know all the details of it. And so many times we build opinions based upon just what we see. You know, for many of us, for things like the, the medical field, the criminal justice system, how police procedure works, comes from television. We see all of these shows, fire rescue, and all these different things, and that is our only perception of how these situations work. What we see. And that's all made up. It's all for entertainment purposes. And the realization 
is it simply doesn't work that way. It's real easy for us to, to make judgments based on our perceived idea of how something works. So I went to the comment section. And boy, howdy, were they with this guy? They was like, yeah, preach it, brother. This is my kind of guy. This is the kind of person that I want to be following. And that scared me. Because with just one comment, with no other kind of information, he received a following that was unbelievable. Just based on an ideology that is false. And we'll get to that in a minute. So I'm going through the comments and I'm looking, where, where's that ray of sunshine? Where's someone that says, because this is what should happen. When you hear something like that, that involves the church, if it involves God, if it involves anything spiritual, it should go off in your mind that either that is correct, that is biblical, this is where we find it at, this is what God wants, this is God's will, or it should be, no, that is wrong, and then we go back to the same purposes. This is what the Bible says about it, this is what God's idea is, this is what God's will is. We should have those facts and be able to filter everything that we hear. We shouldn't be just jumping on board just because it sounds good. That's what we do. We need to filter everything through the Word of God. So I'm going through the comments. I'm looking for that ray of light. But boom, here it is. It's like, whoa, wait a second. And it says, no, this is what God says. And if you look at Numbers 18 and 21, it talks about giving the tenths. And this tenth is what takes care of the churches. It takes care of the priests. Also in 1 Corinthians 9 and 13, we get the same thing that the priests are supposed to take from the tenth, from the, from the offerings. Because they have this job to do. And they have to be able to survive too. Well, this poor person that's trying to speak God's truths. I mean, they got some, some factual there. They are being bombarded. Oh, it sounds like you just need your own personal paid preacher that you just need to do this and that and you got it all wrong. And that's the way the world kind of swallows up the truth. Jesus painted us a real good picture because he was getting led to the cross and all the people were saying, crucify him. Because he didn't do, he didn't meet the picture that they all had in their head of what he was supposed to be doing. So the crowd starts shouting, so we go ahead and we fall in with the crowd and we throw him up there on the cross. It's the same thing. We're going to swallow up the truth because it's more fun to be with the masses. And it's all because we have this ideology. Now, to, to a certain point, church is a business. 
because there is certain needs that have to be met. Now, the people have a problem about the giving. But they don't take it a step further. It's like, okay, then who pays for the electricity? Who takes care of the insurance? Who takes care of the repairs? All the other things that takes and makes the process run. And of course, the bigger the, the building, the bigger the congregation, the more people on staff, the more cost it's going to be. Where does that going to come from if you've got a problem with giving? And then we, we go back. This is the system that God put into place. He said, okay, we need to take a small portion. It's going to take care of the, the church. It's going to take care of the people. And not only that, but wait, there's more. I'm going to give you a bonus. See, because, you know, everything you have, I gave to you every way. God, I'm the God, God the Father, I'm the source. I gave you whatever you have anyway. So it's technically mine, but I'm letting you have it. I'm giving it to you, and I just want a small portion of it back. I want to use it to take care of my churches so we can further the kingdom here. And then you're going to say, well, why doesn't God provide? But wait, remember, we have to go back to our past teaching on there. When we start talking about things like money, Paper, money, coin, gold, things like that. These are things that man has put value on. And man has decided to use these items to be able to trade for goods and services. And then back in the tabernacle times, not only do we have the gifts of, of money, valuable things, but also they would bring livestock. They would bring a tenth of the grain, of these different things too that were needed. The food and, and other products would be brought there too. Just in this, our modern society, we've simplified that and we no longer accept chickens at the door. At this point, I'll take whatever you want to bring. But we've, we've, we've made a system where everything is traded for this, this paper money and we can go ahead and say now we do it even digitally with this idea of a of a value system so we we have to have that we have to convert it from an earthly system into a godly system to be able to do what we need to do with it for our churches god can't just magically poof a bag full of money for each one of his churches because that's not how the system works he doesn't violate his own rules. He gives us free will. He wants us to have faith. We have all these things in place. But on top of that, God takes it one more step further. Okay, so you're going to take what I've already given you. You're going to give me a small portion of it back. And then what am I going to do on top of that? I am going to bless what remains. It is to our benefit because we're now making that transition from the earth curse system to the kingdom of heaven. By doing this, now God can have the authority to bless. We are allowing him permission for the rest of the stuff that we keep. 
we get this idea that it's not an idea, it's a lie. Because it comes from Satan. Satan tells us that to be a Christian, this is a picture he paints of what a Christian is, that you're supposed to be poor. That you're supposed to be lacking. That you're supposed to be destitute. That you're supposed to be weak. That you're supposed to be mild. And in reality, that's not the truth at all. God says He wants our cup to runneth over. God said He wants to give us the desires of our heart. And then you say, well, if God says all that, how many come, how come that so many of us are struggling? That we're barely have enough. Well, there's a whole bunch of reasons that that can be. We talked about it a little bit over the past few weeks. That one thing is that we are a lesson to everyone else. And we're supposed to be in good spirits and happy and at peace because we have God in our lives. So if we're constantly complaining about our circumstances, whatever they might be, we are not none of those things and we are not that example that God wants us to be. God blesses the faithful. So if you're not doing well with what you have now, He is not going to give you more. If you're going to be pulled from Him by things, you know, if you're going to Travel. If you're going to take that new boat out, and you're going, these things are going to separate you from God. He's not going to allow things to come between you and Him. He doesn't want idols in our lives, and He knows how we're going to behave. He knows what things are going to do to us. And I know it's a a cop-out from a teaching point of view, but then there's always that unknown because God knows better than us. His ways are not our ways. And sometimes we're not ready for the answer or we don't see what the future holds, so we don't always have an answer. And that's one of the hardest ones to deal with. And don't feel bad about that. Because we all struggle with it. Me included. Because sometimes I can't see a clear reason for things. And this year has been challenging for me. And you, just, you throw your hands up and say, God, I really would like some information. I would like a little bit of direction. What am I supposed to be getting out of all this? And sometimes you get a little whisper and sometimes you get silence. 
But that's a pivotal point in your relationship with him about how you're going to respond. Is it, are you going to stay in faith? Are you going to believe that God has your best interests in mind? That are you going to be patient by you wait upon him? Or are you going to turn against him? Turn your back on him. Throw a conniption. Be a bad example. And it's real easy to, to slide to that dark way. And then we do have bad apples, so to speak. But it doesn't matter where, what the profession is. There's always going to be someone that's going to break the rules, that's going to do things that benefit them. And just be negative for the, for the whole thing. So a lot of times we get quoted because we have people that represent the, the Christian community. And uh, I'm probably can name one name that, as a matter of fact, you're probably going to, without naming a name, I probably can, you can go ahead and guess who I'm talking about. Out there in Texas has books, TV shows, and lives in a multi-14, $15 million home, private jets, you know, all, all the things, all the, the celebrity amenities. And people take real offense to that. But they're taking offense to it for the wrong reasons because we have this mentality that Satan said that you know, teachers of the Word of God are not supposed to be successful. They're not supposed to have luxury. They're supposed to be peasants. But that's not the case. The problem lies with the teaching. You know, as long as someone's got some good foundation teaching, I'll, I'll listen to it. But when you start bending the rules for your favor, then that's where it ends. And then that's where I first had my problem was because if you ask me my stance on something, I'm going to tell you. If you asked, how do you feel about abortion? I think abortion is wrong. God says thou shalt not kill. He knows you in the womb. You are taking a life. You know, we can go on and so on and so forth. But when you get questions like that and you want to skirt around it, you don't want to answer biblically, that's when you have a problem. Not every successful teacher, pastor, preacher, whatever title you want to give them, is wrong. A great many of them are because that's what comes to the light. That's what we see. See, we never see 
the goodness. That's not a good news story. You know, we never hear, hey, local church baptizes six. You know, for us, that's a good day. But that's not world news. But if there's a, a scandal, that's national news. And that's what people see. That's what's piped into our homes. That's what's sent to our phones. That's what's in the newspapers is, is the darkness, the scandal. And we start making that connection. Well, they have all this money. They have all this success. They have all this fame. It's a household name. Then they have scandal. Ooh, church bad. We have to take things on a case-by-case basis. And we have reason to not follow certain people, but if we're going to do it, let's not follow them for the right reasons. Otherwise, you just take your hate and discontent and confusion and you just move it somewhere else. A lot of times what we encounter is is that we have people that bounce from church to church to church. And it's an internal problem that they're running from. It's a misunderstanding. And I'm not even, I'm not even placing blame there because a lot of times it's not a conscious thing. It's not something that we are aware of. It's just something we've been conditioned to over time. And you don't even know it. You just have a, a, a truth that you've made. And to you, it's fact. But to God, it's not. And then we have a, a pride that prevents us from changing. God tells us we need to renew our minds. We need to renew our minds. The only way that we can renew our minds is to change. Repenting is a subject that's all throughout the Word of God because it's important. And that's another thing that we get wrong. Because if I was to stand up here and start talking about repenting, you're like already starting to, to cringe a little bit because we associate repenting with feeling bad. We're supposed to feel guilty. We're supposed to feel shame. But if you look at the Greek translation for what repent means, it's to change, to renew, to rethink. And, and that's the thing is God doesn't want us to feel bad. He doesn't want to oppress us. He doesn't want us to feel shame and guilt. Remember, those are not things of God. Guilt, shame, 
fear, doubt, anxiety, those are all things of the world, all things of Satan. Every good gift is from above. Happiness, peace, joy. Those are godly things. So, by definition, we've created a false sense of what repenting even means. We should want to change. And then with the the system that Satan has created, we, we do something. We realize there's something in our lives that we need to work on to, to be better. And we feel bad about it. So then what do we try to do? We try to, to change. And we try to change it ourselves. We're fixing to go into the new year. What do we do at every time at this time of year? New Year's resolutions. So we think about all the things that we want to change in our lives. I'm going to make a budget. I'm going to spend less money. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to implement X, Y, and Z for my kids. I'm going to do this for my house. It's all these things that we want to do. And some of it is because we realize that we need to make these changes in our lives, that we're not doing as well as we should, and we could do better. And we feel bad about it. There we go. Guilt, shame. And we want to make these changes. So we think about how we can make these changes. Well, I'm going to set up a meal plan, I'm going to only shop at this store, I'm going to set up a budget, and we do not do the most important thing, which is include God in our plans. So we're setting ourselves up to fail. And even when we're making a a godly attempt to change something in our lives, Change happens gradually. And we are human. And what does humans do? We backslide. We mess up. We're sinners. We don't want to talk about that, but let's face facts that we are sinners. We're going to mess up. That Jesus had to be a sacrifice for us, not only for our past sins, but for our current sins, what we're going through right now, and for our future sins. He had to be a one-time, but multiple, multiple, multiple sacrifice. We don't want to admit that. We have to understand ourselves to be able to change. So we're going to, to mess up. You know, let's say we're going to quit smoking. Well, the temptation might get a little bit too much. And maybe we have to sneak one just to take the edge off because life is so hard. And then we feel bad about it. And we start the whole cycle over again. But it doesn't have to be that way. And there's a a difference between... Let's see what the word here is. 
trying to use a loophole in the system versus actual repentance. So if we are truly in our hearts wanting to change something about ourselves and we seek God to help us out with that and we are trying to do it, but yet we fail. We're going to watch our language this year and we're not going to use any of them dirty words and then one slips out. Is God mad at us? Did we fail? Absolutely not. We're working on something. But if we think that we can just keep doing something and every time we do it, we'll just ask for forgiveness and just keep doing it over and over again. As long as we ask for forgiveness, we're fine. We're not truly making a change. We're trying to trick God. We're trying to get in a technicality. Well, I asked for forgiveness. Well, I asked for forgiveness. But you didn't truly change in your heart. You don't truly have that desire. If you tell someone you're sorry, but you don't really mean it, it's useless words. Remember that our words don't have a lot of value. It's our actions. It's what comes out of our hearts. It's what we do. It's a fruit that we yield and not just what we say, not just what we think. We have to put those things into action because people, they have been making countless promises with their mouths, but they don't follow through. And that's the difference. So as we progress forward, Take a little bit of time. If you want to have an opinion, just don't jump on a bandwagon. Put some knowledge behind it. You should be able to articulate, I feel this way about a subject because of X, Y, and Z. Not just because someone else says so, not just because it sounds good, So many people, they'll make a last stand argument. They will climb up on top of that soapbox and they're willing to die there. And then you ask them one question. Why? And they have no justification for it. It's just that we've heard something for so long that it's become true. It's like, you know, if you tell a lie long enough. that you start to believe it, it's the same thing. We've been lied to long enough without any follow-through. We don't check behind. We don't fact-check. We let other people fact-check. There'll be some piece of news come out, and there'll be a little thing at the bottom. This was fact-checked. Who's fact-checking them? Anyone can say anything is true. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Oh, we say it's true, so it must be true. We only have one truth. Word of God. It's the only thing that is absolute. And if you can filter it through that, then you have a truth. Then you have a foundation 
that you can build on. Opinions change. Someone just comes along and says something is, is different. Look at the world that we live in now. Look at the values that we have now. Back up 50 years ago. Do they line up? Do they match? No, because someone along the way said, no, a family's not this anymore. A family is this. That if you feel this way, that's okay. You can change. You can be ever. It doesn't matter what biology says. We can, just, we can change that because someone says so. But there's no foundation behind it. And then if we're going to really make changes in our lives, you know, we're going to start making them lists today. Things that we want to change. Make sure that you include God in it. You know, the first thing would be to do is, how does God feel about this change? Is this a godly change? Is this something that he would approve of? And then if the answer is yes, how about asking for a little help? God, I'm facing these challenges and I'm going to make this change, but I know I can't do it alone. Come humbly before God. The world tells us we have to be self-made and we have to be tough and we have to do all these things and we have to stand up and we have feminine power and we have these rights and this and that and whatever your group is, it's, it's the bestest and we have to be a, a leader for them. But no, we have to be children of God. Let him help us. He's our source. And make a commitment with him and in your hearts. God's given us such great responsibility. We get to share his love. How grand is that? And some of us are maliciously spreading lies and some of us are accidentally spreading lies. And we can do so much more if we'll just take a time to look at what we're doing.